You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Marriage has a long history of change and a long history of social construction. In Jesus' worldview, if marriage was going to perpetuate uh, patriarchal dominance and dependence, then it would be better for both men and women for there to be no marriage at all. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 443. Our title this week is When Marriage is Unjust, and our reading is from the Gospel of Luke. Luke, Luke 20, 27 through 38. Some of the Sadducees who say there is no resurrection came to Jesus with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married a woman and died childless. The second and then the third married her. And in the same way, the seven died, leaving no children. Finally, the woman died too. Now then, at the resurrection, whose wife will she be, since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, The people of this age marry and are given in marriage, but those who are considered worthy of taking part of the age to come and in the resurrection from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They can no longer die, for they are like the angels. They are God's children, since they are children of the resurrection. But in the account of the burning of the bush, even Moses showed that the dead rise, where he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Now, he is not the God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. So, Luke's gospel, it repeats this story that's also found in Mark 12, 18-27, and uh, the same story was repeated in Matthew 22, 23-33. And, and and Luke's version doesn't change much. Uh, the the story is rooted in a context of of interpretation debates between the more liberal Pharisees and the more conservative Sadducees. And as as we'll dis- as we've discussed before, the Sadducees uh, their view it it effectively marginalized many people because they couldn't economically afford. Torah faithfulness as the, the, the Sadducees, the econ- economically elite Sadducees defined it. And, and, and this definition, it worked to preserve the, the Sadducees' quote-unquote purity or social location and, and privilege. And as Josephus later wrote, this is from Antiqu- Antiquities, and I'll put a reference to it in this week's e-site, uh, but it says, the Sadducees have the confidence of the wealthy alone for no following, but no following among the populace. Now, the Pharisees had a much larger palette of, of sacred texts that they used to color their theological, political, economic, and social views. Their interpretations put righteousness in the masses' reach. And, and these contending political forces, they also debated whether there was a resurrection and an afterlife and whether whether or not this life is, is really all we get. The Sadducees, who valued most of the, the uh, Torah's sacred writings, said that there was not enough evidence uh, in the Torah for a belief in a resurrection. 
resurrection or an afterlife. And the Pharisees, who valued both the Torah and also a plethora of other sacred texts, they said that, that, that uh, and those sacred texts are the texts that we call the Hebrew Scriptures today, um, they taught a, a, a resurrection in the age to come. And the Jesus of the Gospels agrees with the Pharisees more theologically and, 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 and even with the more politically liberal uh, position of the Pharisees. And this is why the Sadducees in this week's reading are questioning Jesus' belief in a resurrection. His response in each synoptic gospel, I think, is telling. And that response doesn't seem to be uh, good news for the patriarchy, for heterosexism, or uh, the social institution of marriage. Jesus explains that in the age to come, in an age of justice, there will be no marriage. And how unjustly must the institution of marriage um, have been that Jesus couldn't imagine it in the coming age of justice. And this is important. Jesus states that all who are children of the resurrection will be like the angels. And we can debate whatever that means, but the implication of the phrase is that marriage will be no more because all injustice will be no more. What happened to marriage that marriage became so associated with injustice? And then, in the language the best fit for the Sadducees, Jesus is, Jesus then references the Torah. That's the the heart of their sacred text. That's the sacred text they valued the most. And and Jesus states that to God, those who are dead are all alive, quote unquote. The big picture is that if there's a resurrection, then then none are really gone. That, that they will live again. And this reminds me of the language that Jesus used in the Gospels about the twelve year old girl who had died. In that story, he states. She's not dead, but only sleeping. You can find that in Mark 5, 39, uh, Matthew 9, 24, Luke 8, 52. The righteous dead are not gone, but simply asleep in this view, waiting for the resurrection of the righteous in the age to come. So let's, let's unpack all of this a bit. What relevance might all of this have to us today, given our worldview and justice practice? Uh, well, f- first, it helps us to understand that the, the, the Sadducees, they're referencing Deuteronomy 25, 5 through 6. If brothers are living together and one of them dies without a son, his widow must not marry outside the family. Her husband's brother shall take her and marry her and fulfill the duty of a brother-in-law to her. The first son she bears shall carry on the name of the dead brother so that the, his name will not be blotted out from Israel. So I want to be very careful here with my critique. Um, what stands out to me in this passage um, is the way that it centers men. It also centers men with language that colors these actions as somehow fulfilling a duty to the woman. And again, remember economically, this this uh, there was some patriarchy in the economic structure here. Um, the, the passage, though, is concerned Uh, Remember, with extending the lineage of the husband, not the woman. The woman here is a conduit through which the first brother can have his lineage live on through the the faithfulness of the second brother. And this, this raises many questions, especially in our cultural context today. To the best of our knowledge, this passage was at least redacted somewhere between the 7th and 5th centuries BCE. And how much did Assyrian and Babylonian patriarchal practices influence this passage? What was the, the, the lived experience of those who tried to follow this passage? Was the bodily autonomy of 
women respected? Did the woman have a say in this? And and if she also felt that this was a duty to be fulfilled to her, was this due to internalizing the the patriarchal elements of her society? Or or was this the price of, of economic survival in an economy that was patriarchal? Was her role assumed to simply be passive within the the social construct of uh, construct of the, the the way that marriage was practiced at the time. I appreciate the perspective of Reverend Dr. Wilda C. Gaffney, um, who, who offers when when she calls us to her she offers her perspective when she calls us to consider what the experience of this practice would have meant for women, and referring to Jesus's words about in the age to come there being no marriage from the woman's perspective she asks might uh, that not be good news that marriage will be no more and you can find that in a woman's lectionary for the whole church year w page 175 this week's reading i think it challenges all of our institutions all of our systems all of our social structures and constructs including marriage if marriage is practiced in a way that creates injustice it must change the jesus of our passage this week is teaching that it's better for there to be no marriage at all than for marriage to be practiced unjustly. Throughout the past few decades, uh, the, in the United States, we've debated how the institution of marriage should be practiced. When marriage was being justly expanded to include LGBTQ people whose ex- exclusion from marriage led to many political, economic, and social injustices, many Christians argued against it using the rhetoric of quote-unquote biblical biblical marriage. And, and and when we look at biblical definitions of marriage, good luck defining one biblical definition of marriage. We see that in, in, in the sacred text, the institution of marriage has continually evolved over the centuries. When our sacred text was written, um, there wasn't just one set view of marriage. Each time that the text is written, it continues to change and evolve. And especially as the texts were compiled, marriage as an expression of love just as one example, um, as some of us know it today, it just simply didn't exist in the Bible. It was most often contractual. Uh, marriage was rooted in economic and political and social considerations and rarely included romance or or being what we refer to today as in love. By, by Jesus's time, marriage had evolved into something so harmful to women that he solved the problem of marriage by, by leaving it out entirely in the age of, of justice to come. In the Gospels, we encounter a Jesus, like other Jewish voices at the time, who uh, a Jesus who is deeply concerned about the injustice to to women uh, being practiced and how marriage was was itself being practiced in his society. So, so what lesson is there in all of this for us? That's what we're looking for today. We have to ask ourselves whether our social institutions are being practiced in life giving or death dealing ways. Where those institutions, like marriage, are being practiced harmfully, it's time for them to change. And as comfortable as those still steeped in in patriarchy and heterosexism may find a Jesus who does away with marriage, marriage's evolution in our society to include same-sex marriages is in perfect harmony with the spirit of our passage this week, this spirit of, of, of this Jesus in this passage who wants to conform all our institutions to justice. Marriage has a long history 
history of change and a long history of social construction. In Jesus's worldview, if marriage was going to perpetuate uh, patriarchal dominance and dependence, then it would be better for both men and women for there to be no marriage at all. The age to come, the breaking in on the present, even then, was an age when all oppression would cease, all violence would end, all injustice, including that that was being enacted through marriage, would be no more. So for Jesus then, patriarchal marriage, it could not persist. And today, we might add that that heterosexist marriage and the social injustices that that heterosexist marriage births, um, it'll also be no more because of the social construct of marriage when practiced in a way that is death-dealing. It has no place in an age of justice. So which other institutions and social assumptions are being practiced in ways that are that are death-dealing rather than life-giving? What social constructs, even from our own time, shouldn't be a part of an age of justice? These are worthy questions to be asking this week. Heart group application number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, what other institutions and social assumptions are, are practiced in ways that are death-dealing rather than life-giving? What social constructs from our time shouldn't be part of an age of justice? And discuss those questions with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? Thanks for checking in with us today. Remember, you can find Renewed Heart Ministries on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you haven't already done so, please follow us on your, your chosen social media platforms for our daily posts. And also, if you enjoy listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, please like and subscribe to the, the Jesus for Everyone podcast through the podcast platform that you use. And, and consider taking some time this week to give us a, a review. This helps others find our podcast as well. And if you'd like to reach out to us through email, you can reach us at info at Renewed Heart Ministries dot com right where you are remember keep living in love choosing compassion taking action and working toward justice i love each of you dearly i'll see you next week mm-hmm.